When looking for a new home, location is so important. And as sports fans, you obviously want to be close to your favorite sports teams. So if you're in the market of buying a new home, you gotta check out Aria Denver Homes. They are located just 10 minutes away from downtown, Coors Field, Pepsi Center, and Bronco Stadium at Mile High. So what makes Aria Denver unique is the home buying process is all about you. You know, we offer free home inspections. We make sure we're in a great location in Denver, um, as well as we outreach into the community and have a lot of involvement with a lot of different businesses, as well as, you know, parks and other areas in the location. Like Tyler mentioned, Aria Denver believes the home buying process is all about you. That's why they offer that free home inspection, customizable finishes, and brand new appliances. But that's not all. So we specifically have a greenhouse on campus at Aria um, that residents are able to sign up for a subscription service and have fresh veggies delivered to, to their door each week. And then we also have a great relationship with Regis University. So our partnership with Regis allows residents to have access to the fitness center and gym. Move today where everyone wants to live tomorrow. To learn more, go to www.aria.denverskylofts.com or call them today at 720-372-1022. BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol. Don't take our word on Elixinol. Take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's Hemp Balm, a topical pain reliever that's just one of their many great non-THC products. What's more, 5% of your purchase will go to a nonprofit of your choice when you visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. Well, Zach, uh, obviously the the big news of the day uh, is last night's episode of The Bachelorette. Oh, we have some juice? <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a big it was a big episode. So let me guess: the last time you told me about the Bachelorette the following day was because it was it was disgusting almost because there was no rose ceremony. So can I guess? Maybe there was two rose ceremonies in this episode. Actually, kind of there. <laughs> it could be two. It could be zero. Oh so, wow! <laughs> next week. Is, is hometowns and of course mm. you know that's huge of course massive um so we're down to four so we were down to six or so and spoiler alerts by the <laughs> way <laughs> just hit that button if you don't want to hear yeah, it yeah a couple skip forwards i know maybe, that maybe like 20 minutes worth of skip i would forwards. say at least 95 percent of our audience also <laughs> listen also watches the bachelorette and how many of them admit it Five. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, anyways, there has been a longstanding villain in the show Ooh. who everyone hates. My favorite mm. part about the show is think is like all the dudes like have become boys now. Right, right. And it's like so weird. Like imagine <laughs> yeah. being like best friends with someone who's like dating your girlfriend. Yep, exactly. And now especially because they get split up. Uh, and then you can kind of like 
right. a little more because you're not with them. Anyways, there's this one guy who sucks. Mm. He's the worst. Mm. And my th- like, I'm very cynical when it comes to television shows. Yeah, you gotta love this guy though. No, I you're hate the type him. of guy to love the villain. I normally would. <laughs> this guy is insufferable. <laughs> He's just like so slimy and snaky. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hannah just can't see it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Does everyone want to give her a talk? Oh, everyone's trying. The thing is, like, a big theme of this season. I can't believe we're still talking <laughs> about A big thing, theme of this season is, like, stay in your lane. Mm. So everyone's trying to say, like, <laughs> right. like don't talk about other dudes when you're right. with her. Just yep. talk about, like, you and her. It's pretty good strategy, in my opinion. Right. Well, Luke P., who is <laughs> this guy, he just he can't do it. So every time he goes in there, he's trying to like slander some other guy. Like that's his strategy. Like take down huh. all the other guys rather than like worry about. And that works for him so far. It's working. Typically, typically, in these situations, from my experience in the past watching these shows, is the one person that does that. Everyone's so happy that like that one person ratted the other person out. But then that person is immediately off. They sacrifice themselves. Right, right. Yeah, like a self-sacrifice. Right. <laughs> like a kamikaze attack. <laughs> yeah. um, no. And anyways, it came down to Luke P. and Garrett for the final rose. Mm. And you just wanted Garrett to win so badly because he was Luke P.'s like mortal enemy. Mm-hmm. And literally in the episode, he was just antagonizing him like to the utmost degree. Like literally trying to get him to punch him. <laughs> And Luke P's going to hometowns. Oh no! <laughs> I thought it was a good episode. It was a great episode, but mm. so like I said, I'm cynical when it comes to TV. Yeah, and I just think they have to keep him around because it just he creates good television. He's the worst. He's so dumb and so annoying, but he creates drama. How can how can Absolutely. There, there, there is way, there's so much staging and planning to these. Because what? She only has to marry one guy. She only legally can marry one guy. <laughs> so why not just keep a guy that's going to be entertaining around? Yeah. And yeah. it's not her choice, probably. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I think they have to be like, ah, you got to keep around <laughs> a little longer. Wouldn't that be weird? I mean, yeah. And it's like, like what, they're like making out and stuff, <laughs> you know? Like, it's not like she just has to tolerate him. And what if she like doesn't? actually you know she finds him physically attractive but doesn't like his his personality knows he's not the guy before like he introduces them or wait they go to his parents house they go right? to his parents oh house. yeah so she can't be like to her parents like eh, this isn't the guy let's right. just fight through this night right <laughs> so anyways wow that was a big episode that's that's some drama is yeah. that, that and that's in a, out in la right i guess but they travel around so like this week's episode was in the nether nether Netherlands wouldn't that be I mean we both have girlfriends that we love but come on being able not, that's not, my not, least favorite not just thing for about like this. the dating the girl part but traveling everywhere so you know when you like go when you're younger and you go to like your buddy's like soccer game or something mm-hmm. and like the whole time you just want to play <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how I feel when I watch the bachelorette put me in coach yes I'm just like oh, I want to play this game it looks so fun <laughs> I'm like, I want to be the one who gets to antagonize Luke P. You want it where your biggest decision every week is choosing among your lovers. Well, that, I mean, 
That's a whole other thing. That is. Being The Bachelor. Oh, you want to... I want to compete on The Bachelorette. Wow. Of course, like, being The Bachelor would be fun. And you get to travel around, and you get, like, a sponsored wardrobe, and <laughs> you probably make a decent chunk of money, I would assume. The wardrobe would be the second thing you point to. Yes. <laughs> um, but you also... The, you get put in some rough positions. Like, <laughs> I, like can you imagine, like... You're like falling from multiple people at the same time, <laughs> and then you have to like break their heart. Yeah, like that it's true. That kind of sounds terrible to me. Whereas, just hanging out with a bunch of dudes and like trying to win, like ki- like win this competition, which is also kind of like love based, <laughs> but really it's just like a competition <laughs> <laughs> of like who can be the the like the coolest. You know what? There's probably a decent amount of people that get at least close to the end that are just doing it for the competition part. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, I like this girl or this guy, but I just, I mean, I'm here to win. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Also, then you have the chance of being, even if you, if you get eliminated, then you have the chance of being the next bachelor. Yeah. Which you got to find that sweet. I can't believe we're still talking. (laughs) It's amazing because whoever's idea that was to pull the bachelor from the last season of the bachelorette i mean is a genius oh yeah because now i've watched this whole season yep and this is my first ever full season watching this show but like i have connections with all these guys on the show and like their characters Mm -hmm. and so then when one of them becomes a bachelor i'm like oh i gotta watch his season you know (laughs) yep yep. and then the same thing will happen again with the girl and it's just like a vicious cycle you're stuck in it forever i can never leave now it's hotel hotel california just wait till bip comes on you know what BIP is? Bachelor in Paradise. Yep, exactly. Then you'll get attached to all of them, and oh, incredible marketing! Oh, it is. It is. It's brilliant. It's great entertainment. Ryan, we had someone yesterday, I believe, tweeted us and say, "You guys need to do two shows a day." Well, maybe this is our first show right here. BSN Broncos <laughs> in Paradise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As we travel the world. There we go. We could probably do two shows a day on the world tour. Oh yeah, we probably have to. One in the morning, one at night. Yeah, how kind of fun. how late at night or how early in the morning? I don't know. Yeah, depends. Okay, <laughs> well, now we can talk about other things. Welcome back to all the uh, people that didn't want the spoiler alerts. I want see this needs to become a new underlying um, subplot of the podcast as everyone watches The Bachelor. <laughs> you know what? I'll start. All right, but I can't dive in right now. Sure you can. Just right now, next week. Yeah, just dive in. Maybe I'll start with yesterday. Or because I got to see what I this looks probably P on demand. Maybe I'll just dive in right now. There's been six episodes. They're all about two hours. There's only been six. Maybe seven. Okay. So you just dedicate 14 hours this week to watching all the shows. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you. I I like it right now. I like it like when it's meaty right now. Before you don't really get to know anyone. First few episodes. See, I, it, to me, it's like I can't believe we're doing this. <laughs> Uh, to me, it's like the NCAA <laughs> tournament. The best day is the first day. I do agree with you. I'm I'm the complete opposite way at the NCAA tournament. The ending is actually quite boring. Well, it's like okay, yeah, the best teams are here, and one of them's gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the point of the tournament. But the beginning is the chaos, right? Where underdogs can happen. Yeah. Mm. And you always know, like, when a 12 seed makes it to the Final Four, you're like, oh, well, yeah. now they're going to get murked by <laughs> Kentucky. When the nerdy guy makes it into the to hometown date, you're like, ah, 
Hope you enjoyed your ride, man. Yeah, the nice, the super nice guy <laughs> yeah. who just like yeah. says all. Yeah. He's so nice, but th- at the end, he's just too innocent. Yep, exactly. <laughs> she needs that edge. <laughs> the the Hank edge. Um. Okay, I'm gonna do it. Speaking of edge, mm. we went out to uh, Emmanuel Sanders pro camp yesterday. He's kind of an edgy guy. I feel like he is. Yes, and he'd probably make it to to hometowns <laughs> he would he for would for sure um <laughs> he would be an entertaining be one as great well character on that <laughs> he, show. Would be. he definitely uh, is not afraid of the drama i'll tell you they're not characters ryan yeah they are if that throws you back to no. something <laughs> oh right oh my god can we tell that story <laughs> probably i now. think that's a fair game story <laughs> yeah. now yeah <laughs> um Case Keenum's first day. <laughs> See, I think this was all worth it to, for these people to be able to I hear I think this. so. I think so. Wrapping it all back to <laughs> yeah. Broncos. Case Keenum's first day as a Bronco. He gets introduced. Um, sometimes, like, draft picks, a lot of times their families are there. But this, it was just his wife was there with him. And you just kind of go and chop it up with them. It's yep. just, you know, you're just introducing yourself and just – I don't even really know what the point of it is. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's just some BS that you do. You go talk to the people. I mean, like, with with draft picks, I guess, like, a huge part of my story that I wrote on Drew Locke was based off of my conversations with his mom and dad. So yeah. that actually matters. But right. this wasn't, like, an interview. This is just you just go up to whatever her name is, and you're like, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. I'm Ryan, blah, blah, blah. She says, oh, yeah. You have some small talk, whatever, yep. and you never see her again. Um, <laughs> so I was just making small talk with, I want to say her name's like Casey Keenum. <laughs> <laughs> Case and Casey. <laughs> what, would, what would their kid's name be? Casem. Uh, Casen. <laughs> Grayson. Or just go Keesem yes, after John. Keesem Keenum. Uh, anyways, and I was just like, oh, man. So I watched the whole um what was it the hard knocks right hard knocks with the rams and i watched it with my girlfriend and she you were her favorite character on the show which like there's nothing wrong with that no there's nothing wrong with that you're being nice yeah exactly like because <laughs> if you if you watched that um casey as we'll call her <laughs> was constantly like quizzing case right. on the playbook yeah and she played a very prominent role in the show yeah she was a character yeah anyways <laughs> she kind of just like <laughs> gets really, like a really serious face on and turns to me and says well you should know i'm not a character i'm a person <laughs> talk about unnecessary awkwardness <laughs> i mean i've never i usually always have something to say i did not know what to say i did not know what to say i was so knocked back and i was like i think i just said something like well, you know what i mean like it was so awkward i and it's a good thing that i never had to see her again after that that's when you're like well nice to, well actually not very nice to meet you casey yeah. all right well uh, see you never See you walking through the tunnel after the game when your head's down because your husband just threw three interceptions and the Broncos lost. Yep. <laughs> yep. What if what if you just drop the 
Mm. Case isn't going to last his second year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was... It was so awkward. (laughs) I'm sure she's a really nice lady, but that was a weird moment. That was a really weird moment. I am not about making situations awkward. Some people are. Some people like like they they find the opportunity, they see it, and they pounce on it. Yeah, I mean, you were telling me about an experience you no. had on the plane ride oh home from your trip to Pittsburgh this weekend. Or I probably would have. Long story short, this woman was just really disrespectful to Zach. Uncomfortably <laughs> sitting next to me, I couldn't escape for like I don't know if it was ten minutes or thirty-five minutes. I couldn't tell you how long. I mean, based on the number of interactions you laid out for me, I feel like it was at least 35 minutes. And I, I told you she asked me what the worst moment of my life was, right? Yeah. In my head. I, I, in my <laughs> I head, I know what you're say right now. Right now. <laughs> this woman's just like berating Zach, like trying to like poke holes in... In my life. In everything about my life. Rolling After her eyes and everything. After a couple of glasses of wine, yeah. I assume. Yep. Anyways... You're the type of person, like, oh yeah. You just, you were just gonna let it, ha- like, let it fizzle out. It just <laughs> <All ends. right. laughs> I don't think I would have been able to. What would you have done? I would have been like, lady, you are. <laughs> what are you doing here? You have no business saying any of this to me, <laughs> or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. I probably should have done that. But I under, like, I totally understand. There's just a line. There's a line of like, I'm just gonna try and get Especially past. Especially when it was minute ten of a three hour flight, a full flight. You're like, oh god, what if this goes on the whole time? <laughs> I should have just started crying. You should have. What are you doing this to me for? Or I would have just been like, all right, well, have a nice flight. I'm gonna take a nap. <sighs> I should. As done soon that. as I got a chance, I, sh- I should have done that. <laughs> so the way I got away, I didn't say it. I just closed my eyes right when she looked away for the very first time. It's like a little kid playing peekaboo. Like, <laughs> they think if they She's close your eyes, you can't see. <laughs> it's exactly what it was. <laughs> and I pretended I was you. I pretended like I just fought, fell asleep in a second. Yep. On planes, I can fall asleep in a crazy short amount of time. Uh, so j- how could everyone not be jealous of that? I'm sure they are. I don't. To me, it's almost like, like the air that they put in there is like laughing gas or whatever they used to put you out. They should. Like I breathe it, and I'm that. just like, <laughs> like I get an amount of tired that I don't get on like normal days ever. So right when you step on the plane, when you're still standing up, like I just got to make it to row twenty. Yes. One. <laughs> and then I sit down, and I'm just like, all right, well. I don't have time to wait for us to get into the air so they can put the thing down. So I just have to like put my head, like I'll take my little pillow and just put it on my knees and just <laughs> lean and just like bend myself in half and I'll be out in seconds flat. I'm jealous. Okay. Back to Emmanuel. Yeah, wait, wait, we went to Emmanuel. We got on track. I don't even know how we got At off. At least we're not talking about the bachelorette anymore. Should we recap this whole conversation? Yeah. So it started. With, um, Join us in the second segment for a recap <laughs> of the first segment. It's kind of like a radio strategy. You just keep repeating the same thing all day. Um, We went to Emmanuel Sanders camp. He met with us. Zach, how about the amount of time that Emmanuel Sanders gave us? Yeah. Uh, As you guys know, we told you on the Von Miller camp podcast that you get like two minutes and half of it is dedicated to BS questions about the camp, which no one cares about. (laughs) This... There's two questions, I think. 
two camp-related questions. Too, too many. We survived through. And then, like, six solid minutes of real usable content. Yeah. So... There's some interesting things that Emmanuel said, as as is usually the case when he gets in front of the cameras. Um, why don't we just play the audio, and when we come back on the other side of the audio, uh, we'll discuss some of the more notable moments. You're a veteran of these now. Why are these so important to you, e, to get out here and work with kids? Uh, I mean, give love, give love back. Uh, I mean, to be able to you know throw this football kind of thing, this is third year, fourth year, um, and it turned out we got over 300 kids. Um, like, I, like I said, uh, the different community is, is amazing to me. Uh, they support me. Um, and so uh, to be able to give back to the different community, uh, you know, it works vice versa. Why did you decide to align with a precious child? Oh, man, what they do is uh, amazing. Uh, I mean, to uh, I, I went to one of their facilities to go down there and see, uh, you know, shopping carts and people going and shopping and getting clothes. But yet, when they get to the register, all of it is free. That's amazing because uh, it's a lot of disadvantaged, um, underprivileged families who need that. And so what they're doing, it's it's amazing. So uh, for me to partner up with my brand, with their brand, um, and the things that we we are able to accomplish and the things we, we still are going to accomplish, I'm looking forward to those things because, you know, like I said, it's about spreading positive energy, and that's what we're doing. What kind of camps did you go to as a kid? None. I went, to, I went to summer camp, summer track camp. <laughs> well, my, my mom was like, get out the house, go and run around the track. And so, I don't know, I, I guess that, that, that paid off, you know. Did you wish you had something like this when you were growing up? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I would love to, like, when I was when I was growing up, go to, like, a Houston Oilers, like, football camp. But I'm from the country, so uh, that, that was tough. But, uh, you know, to, to be out here and having fun with these kids and throwing them football passes and, uh, playing defense against them, you know, I'm, I'm having just as much fun as them, you know, because trust me, I'm a big kid at heart. You're a little more than two weeks out from camp, which seems crazy, but what should we expect from you early in camp? What are your goals? Uh, you we're going to see. Uh, just talking to the trainers, um, there's no date on it. We're not going to put a date on it. Um, you know, when, tra- when training camp starts, uh, we're going to go with the flow, uh, with what they say. Um, and, you know, obviously, I want to be out there. You guys know me. I only got one motor, and that's go, but uh, we got to be smart about the injury, you know, obviously, you know, right now um, I'm running routes on my own and I feel good, but it's a difference when being out there and having to adjust on the fly and have a guy pressing you. And so I haven't been able to experience that that yet. So, of course, uh, we're going to take our time with the process. How does important? the season opener feel realistic? I know you can't say that, but it, does it feel realistic? Or yeah, it feels, it feels realistic, but, you know, who knows, you okay. know, until I get out there and see how I feel. Uh, you know, um, you know, I've been working out with other NFL guys, but I haven't been able to compare. Um, you know, going up against a Chris Harris or going up against, you know, you know, the defense. So uh, we'll see how I feel. But you know, in my head, you know, I, I got all the confidence in the world that I'm gonna go out and perform and I'm gonna have, you know, a Pro Bowl year, and that's what I want. Um, and so. You know, I'm, I'm working my butt off to try to attain that as you do. With so much experience under your belt already, it, how important is it to, to be there for some of training camp? Uh, it's important. I, 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 lo- I love practicing. So uh, to be sitting on the sideline, I'm tired of sitting on the sideline. I've been sitting on the sideline the whole OTA. So I'm, uh, I'm kind of tired of just watching. I'm ready to get out there and participate. So, you know, hopefully I'll be out there training camp. But if not, I'm going to listen to the trainers. I'm not going to be hard-headed about the process, obviously. Um, man, it's no rush. You know, the thing is, 
Yeah, we're coming back to camp early. We, we report on the 18th because we're playing a Hall of Fame game, so we got an extra 10 days of training camp. So, uh, you know, so that that right there in, in, alone is saying I don't have to rush, you know, just try to get back early in training camp. What have you learned so far about Rich Gangarello that you like? Well, his, his offense is a play-action offense. I feel like Joe Flacco is going to be good in that that system. Um, in, in 15, I think, uh, when Joe was under Gary Kubiak in a play-action offense, he had the best year uh, career statistically. So hopefully he can get back to that, you know. And um, like I said, we, we got Phillip, we got Royce in the backfield. And Phillip is a threat, and I feel like Royce is going to grow to be a threat. He's, he's a bulldozer. Um, and so if we can get the run game going, it just open up the passing game, and that's going to be dangerous with me and Corlin and Deshaun and Tim Patrick. So um, we'll see. You know, obviously it's all – out there for us to do it, but we, we still got to attain those goals and we got to put it all together. A lot of times they say the biggest jump in a player's career is from first year to second year. In that regard, what have you seen from Cortland and Deshaun that makes you think they're ready to take well, it up the next Well, I think, level? you know, I've been in this, uh, been in the league, I, I would say, a long time. This is about to be my 10th year, and I think that um, it's all personality-based. Um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you, you can see when they come into the NFL, will they be those guys that last a long time or will they be a guy that's ah, on the bubble? And uh, I've been around a lot of great receivers, and those two, um, and they have the personality traits to be great players in this league because they want to be great and they understand it. You know, sometimes um, a lot of guys not even aware of what they're doing, they're just doing it. And those guys' awareness are up there to the point that they, they are listening and, like I said, aware of what it takes to be a great player. And if they're not aware of it, then they're watching or studying other people to try to be great. And so um, I've been around that personality uh, trait. I feel like that's my personality as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to playing with them guys, man, because like I said, they want to be great. I want to be great. And so if that's the case, and we have that as a common goal, we can be a great wide receiver unit. From the videos you post, it looks like you spent a lot of rehab time with Phillip. Yeah. Have you learned any more about him? Just kind of. Oh my God, I love being around Phillip. I was actually telling my trainer, I said, I love being around a guy because he has that same personality trait as well. I mean. I mean, a lot of people don't know. Like when you playing with Philip Lindsay on the football field, he's he's he's. I used to be the energy guy, and now both of us are are the energy guy. He's like, give me the ball, let's go, you know, let's go. They can't stop us, you know what I mean? Like he he's that confidence booster. He's that guy that um you know gives that effort, brings that energy to the huddle. And so, um, just being around that personality and working out and. and and talking about the goals that we want to set and how dangerous you want to be on offense, it's been uh, well, you know, training with him. He actually uh, told me he was going to probably come out here like 10.30 after his workout. So uh, hopefully hopefully he makes it prior to before, before camp's over to say what's up to the kids. What drives you at this point? You've had a great career. You've won a Super Bowl ring. What, what's driving you at this point? Uh, I want to get to 10,000 yards. I want to win another Super Bowl. Um, uh, yeah, 10,000 yards and another Super Bowl. And I want to play like 12, 13 years. I just, when I retire, I want to say, yeah, I played 13 years in the NFL. I don't want to say I played 10. So um, those are my goals, and, and that's what I'm set, uh, I'm, I'm set out, I'm trying to attain. So, uh, you know, hopefully we're able to do that. But I know I just, just got to stay healthy. If I stay healthy, I'll be good. Did this, did this type of injury Have at this point in your career, did back. it change your perspective at all? or? It, no, I've been battling. I've been battling injuries ever since I got out of college. I've torn my meniscus. I've torn my. I broke both of my my uh, fifth metatarsals with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I tore my meniscus with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, um, you know, I've been blessed to play five years with no injuries, and 
now injury has come. And so uh, you just got to get back, get back on that horse and try to ride over the hill and get back up to the top. And so um, that's where I'm at, you know. But, um, you know, like I said, man, God don't make any mistakes. Uh, you know, I, I never I never said, why me? I just said, all right, it happened. All right, move on, get better, get back healthy, uh, be you, and be persistent, overcome this adversity. So that's what I feel like I, I've been doing. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll, I'm able to show that in the training camp. And hopefully y'all will be writing articles of how great I look. I pray that happens. Man, you, you've talked about all these injuries you had through your career, and you've come back, you come back 10 years. Do you And you play out there you, with, with some recklessness, but, you, you know, they control. Do you think about, well, maybe I got to change that a little bit if I want to get to 13 years? Yeah, my dad, he, he's having conversations with me uh, about that. But, I mean, I, I, you know, when I was younger, I, I, I played reckless, you know. But as I'm getting older, I'm playing smarter and smarter. Sometimes if it's two guys in here hit me, I slide. Guys, guys <laughs> might call me every name in the dictionary uh, because I'm sliding. But, you know, that's, that's smart football. Why take a hit when – it's about to be two guys hitting me, so. Uh, but I don't. I don't think about that. I'm just gonna play how I play, and and if I make it, I make it. But I can't go out there and not One be who I am because the then I'll be getting cut out of the league, and Nine I don't want to get cut out of the league. If, 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 if I leave this league, I want to say, all right, I got hurt, and that's that's it. You know, I don't want to be like, yeah, Emmanuel couldn't give it up, and he just didn't have it anymore, and now teams are cutting me left and right. I don't ever want to be that player. What do you expect your role to be this year? <laughs> What do you expect my role to be? Uh, Cortland said he he's you know wants to be the number one. Yeah, what, uh, some which, people have thought about you in slot which, outside. What do you expect my role to be? Nine you want to be the one? Want to be? Nah, I mean my role my role my role is I'm gonna be the playmaker, um, and I expect everybody to be the playmaker. So um, that's that, you know. You know, obviously, um, you know when the game's on the line, I want the ball coming my way. Uh, you know, when a play needs to be made, I want the ball coming my way. You know, I've, I've been in this league a long time. And, um, you know, when I had got hurt, well, after DT left, you know, I became the number one. And, um, we went on a three-game winning streak. And so uh, I was loving that, man. They was giving me the ball in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, I was I was the number one read and, and a lot of the routes. So, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to that. But, you know, obviously I got to go out and prove that to Rich. Uh, we got a totally new coaching staff. So, uh, we'll see. Well, Zach, that was the first time I've ever gone to Emmanuel Sanders camp. And literally for that reason alone, that he spoke for that long, I'll go back next year. <laughs> Got to remember it. Right. Because I almost didn't go to Vaughn's this year because it's such it was so short. We ended up getting like a couple decent answers, so it was worth it. But that, I'm like, oh, that shows that you actually, like, care about us being there. Right, right, exactly. And he, he had, uh, I don't know if, I'm going to say it was for us. He had the fresh haircut. He looked sharp. Yep, yeah, he was looking good. Um, so let's start with the health, because I think that's the newsiest part. And then we'll get to some of the other interesting stuff. Um, are you starting to get concerned? Yes, but I not about too. his health. It's weird. I'm Ryan, I see him out uh-huh. there, what, two months ago, mm-hmm. running at full speed. I see him out there a month ago cutting, running routes, looking fantastic. He is all smiles when he's doing this, too. There's zero pain 
when he's doing this. Uh, when we talked to him a few weeks ago, he said uh, the only time he's sore is when he wakes up in the morning. He's not sore after doing a workout or doing any of this. He looks great. He's he's out there with the kids yesterday like he was. he's never been injured in his life. There's no concern from him about his health. That That's how I really feel. But in terms of him playing, yeah, I am concerned because he said, it was one of the first things he said this offseason was, I'm not coming back until I'm 100%. And he's done a good job of saying, you know, I'm listening to the trainers. The trainers are going to tell me when I can come back. The trainers, the trainers. But I think they're going to take this they're going to take the slow boat to China on this one. Is that a real saying? <laughs> it is. Because <laughs> how long would a slow boat to China be? Depends on where your port <laughs> is, I suppose. I always assumed it was Denver. Oh, yeah. That would take a while. <laughs> say if you're just going from Japan. <laughs> it still may be slow. <laughs> um, yeah. And that is... now. I'm, like, highly concerned. Yeah. I was at, like, a... Yeah. 5% concern Yeah. after seeing those videos. Now I'm at like a 95% concern because it's a very calculated effort on his part to temper expectations for when he's going to return. Right. He wouldn't even commit to week one. Right. And I'm thinking like week one of training camp right. watching those videos. Yeah. So for me, the Broncos can't afford to not have Emmanuel Sanders week one because it's totally different. It's so much different when you aren't out there to start the season or if you just miss time, like think of like Royce Freeman last year, like, yeah, he came back after the injury, but it was never the same. It was never a rhythm. It was all messed up. And like, that's (laughs) how I feel. Like if you come out in week four, then like weeks five, six and seven, you're like, you're like just eat like you're shaking the rust off like that's gonna be the story we're writing like oh Emmanuel Sanders is right. like is like right now he's ready right and I just can't imagine this offense without Emmanuel Sanders out there and I know he pressed you a little bit there at the end <laughs> he did but the answer is number one receiver like that's what his role is and I can't imagine this offense without him as the number one receiver it scares me. If you want to go down the route of if Emmanuel's not there week one or at any point in the season, it could be a quick mudslide of everything else that comes. Because Cortland, last year, Ryan, we both like his potential, what he can be, uh, how he's performed this offseason. But the only time he's been a number one, he went for, what, like 12 yards a game, 25 yards a game? I mean, not number one stuff. Deshaun, love where he's going. But if he's immediately thrust into a number two role, maybe teams get filmed. It, it's it's a scary route to go down. It's it's really scary. He look and that's just the thing is he looks like he is. He looks like he's the Emmanuel Sanders number one. Never had an injury before, but he's saying, "Look, I got one year left on this team friendly deal." In, in his eyes, he views it that way. I want to play till year twelve, till year thirteen. 13. I want to play. Th- three, you know, two to four more years. I want another big contract after this. So why, when I think I'm playing on a team-friendly deal, am I going to come back early? No way. Ugh. It's scary. And talking to people who have um, recovered from Achilles injuries, 
should scare you a little more because what they say is getting to 90% isn't that hard. Mm. Getting from 90 to a hundred percent can take a really long time. Mm. To me, it looks like he's already at 98. Yeah. If not a hundred. Yeah. But maybe he feels he's at 90. What and is there's a, a mental hurdle to get to a hundred? What is a 90% Emmanuel Sanders? Is he the one? Yes. Is he a good one? I don't know. I, it's so hard to like know what that looks like. Here's what really concerns me, Zach. Remember when we were on a bus from Chicago to Indianapolis? <laughs> yes. And the John Ross yes. thing came alive and the John Brown thing was in full swing. Yep. And mm. I'm on the phone like furiously trying to get in contact with doctors to learn about sickle cell for John Brown. The whole point of all that was the Broncos need a deep threat. Joe Flacco, what does he love? A tight end and a deep threat. He's got his guy in the middle of the field. He's got his guy down the field. And it never came to fruition. It's kind of like the middle linebacker debate. If, if you would have asked us that day, what are the Broncos' two biggest needs? We would have said middle linebacker and speed receiver. Yeah. Neither of those things happened. And I can write it off as, okay, well, Emmanuel Sanders is a speed receiver. So he can still take the top off the defense. You know, go back and watch the Arizona game or – uh, you know, a couple other games where he was able to make big plays down the field for the team last year. That's his thing. He's a playmaker, like he told you. Without him, you really, really, really don't have that. Because I don't even know if you really have it now. But you have something that can at least give the defense something to think about deep. Right. You take away Emmanuel Sanders, and I'm sorry, but Deshaun Hamilton just isn't that guy. And Cortland Sutton... While he can be a deep threat in his own right, he's not that deep threat that we're talking he's about. He's not the burner. No. So now all of a sudden you're, you've gone backwards in that area if Emmanuel Sanders isn't out there. And, and maybe he comes out in week two and it's fine and, and everyone's happy. But to me, the thought of Emmanuel saying, like, ah, maybe, when you ask if he's going to be ready for week one, or I guess the question was, is it a realistic goal? Was that what it was? And yep. he said, yeah, it's a realistic goal. He said but, it feels realistic, but, but still feels. With no conviction. No. No conviction at all. So there might be someone in Emmanuel's ear telling, you, telling him, hey, man, you only got to put out 10 games of good tape. Yeah. If even. I mean, you put out eight games of good tape. You put out six games of good yeah. tape. I think if it's six. Right. Heck, if it's four at the end of the season, I just don't envision that to happen. Right. But if it's four at the end of the season, he's getting paid somewhere. Yes, exactly. So that's what concerns me is, oh, okay, well, if he's not there for week one, now there's like this mental thing that's gone, right? If you're not there for week one, is it any better to be there for week two? Right. It's the same thing as being there week two as it is week four. Like, I realize, you know, there's a competitive element there where, yeah, you want to get out there and help the team win. But if Emmanuel and, and his whoever's in his ear are thinking money first, yep. if week one isn't there, well, then there's no – there's really no point in rushing it now because, like, there's that hurdle. And then there's, like, well, get somewhat of the season out there. And he said the right thing about, yeah, you guys know I want to be out there on the practice field first day of training camp. You guys know I only have one motor – and that's, you know, the best or the highest energy motor. But Ryan, he's admitted multiple times this offseason. He would have been seeking a new contract if he didn't get hurt. So the money is up there. Yeah, I'm not questioning his desire to want to play and be out there. But he also wants the cash. And uh, so not only, like, 
if there is someone in his ear, he's admitted that whether or not it's someone in his ear, that is a very important thing to him. And, you know, as a player, a lot of people are going to say, or as a person, a lot of people are going to say, I don't blame you at all. You got to do what you got to do to chase that money. But you know what? The Broncos need him to be a dude for this for this team right away. Can you, like, pay him some money to get out there? John's doing it. I know. I mean, handouts are a thing oh, right now. Oh, gosh. Now, we talked about Chris being a bad precedent. That would be a terrible precedent, having to pay someone to kind of overcome, in quotes, an injury in order to get out there. The precedent's already there with Chris. It would be even – could you imagine John Elway this offseason – just tossing millions out at multiple players. Not his money. <laughs> That's true. We don't know whose money it is. Um, I don't know. All I can say is I'm highly concerned. And, and I guess that leads into the next thing, which maybe eases the concern a little bit. And it's Emmanuel Sanders' comments on Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. Now, Emmanuel's savvy with the media. He knows what to say. But he also especially when it comes to other players, he doesn't just throw out BS for no reason. Like he's the same. He's the guy who said, uh, Bolsey needs to work on some stuff, you know, <laughs> like he wasn't afraid to call out a, a Garrett Bowles publicly. Yeah. Gumballs. <laughs> and, uh, so with that in mind, he had very, very high praise for Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton. And uh, I wrote a story on bsndenver.com if you want to go check it out. Essentially just detailing what he's talking about here, Zach, but without going into too much detail, and we'll get to one other piece here in a second. The story, and obviously you guys heard the quotes. What he says is they have a personality trait that he thinks is conducive to greatness, and it is the desire to be great. And if I was probably just an average fan hearing that, I would think, like, <laughs> every player wants to be great. Right. Having spent four years in an NFL locker room now, it's not true. Yeah. It really isn't true. Which not, is a bummer to say. It is. Not every guy wants to be great. Or maybe they want to be great. They don't need to be great. They want to be great, but they don't want to put the effort in to be right. great. Right. It's old Kevin Hart, right? Everyone wants to be famous. Nobody right. wants to put in the work. Right. So, is that was that his thing? I, I, I have think, no I idea. I think that's his thing. Are we living that life right now? No, we put in the work. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going against that. Right. <laughs> um, so, so, just know. Just know that not every guy wants to be great. And the ones who don't are in and out pretty quick. Yep. Uh, even if they're a first-round pick as a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Probably a year too late. Yep. Maybe two. Yep. <laughs> so, to hear Emmanuel say that those guys have that that it, like that's one of the it's. They have that one. That gives me a little more comfort. That gives me a little more feeling that, okay, you're not going to see Eman uh, Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton look the same this year that they looked last year. Because as I wrote in my article, if you go out there and it's that same Cortland Sutton who is dropping 10-yard ins and not really getting separation and 
not finishing catches in the end zone, this team is in a world of trouble. And I'm thinking of that with Emmanuel Sanders on the field. Right. If he's not on the field right. and Cortland Sutton hasn't taken a step forward, they're, it's, they're doomed. Yeah. Adam Rank might be looking good. <laughs> and what I liked about Emmanuel's comments is that's, that's behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, is he's seeing that by being with the guys in these meetings, by uh, seeing what they're doing on the weekends because he's friends with them, by talking to them, by uh, probably quizzing him, uh, quizzing, quizzing them on the playbook and everything like that. That's, that's not something we could ever see out there at OTAs. Even though we spend more time than anyone else out there, that's something we can't see. So that is good behind-the-scenes information. And Emmanuel doesn't have to say that, like you said, like you said earlier. Yeah, he could have said, I think those guys are going to be, you know, uh, take a step forward this year, and um, we really need them to. But yep. no, he went all the way into the detail of saying they have the desire to be great. He sees it with his own eyes, and that's encouraging because, like I said, they ne- they have to take a step forward, point blank, period, or else the Broncos are doomed. Or else you're looking at Tim Patrick being your second. And obviously, this this isn't going to happen where those two fall below these guys. But Tim Patrick being your second, River Craycraft slash Juwan Winfrey being your third. Oi. Yeah, I mean, they're still going to be the guys, right? But if they're not good, if they're not really good, this team's going to be in trouble. Um, speaking of really good, the last part I wanted to touch on was just the way that Manuel's face lit up when he was asked <laughs> about Philip Lindsay. And I've known it forever. You've now seen it firsthand for a year. The fans get it, but it's still cool yeah. to see the way a professional football player lights up when talking about a teammate like Philip Lindsay. The way that he just approaches the game, the way that he's on the f- – I mean, can't you just imagine uh, – he kind of quoted him there. Can't you just imagine Phil after a – seven-yard run, like, back in the huddle, like, give me the ball again. (laughs) You can't stop me. That type of energy is infectious. And also the the, they can't stop us. Mm. I think the us is is so important. Even after ripping off, you know, four seven-yard runs in a row, and he's on the sidelines, he's probably screaming that. Yep. It's, it's, It's just different when you have a guy out there like that. And I hope um, Phil gets a chance to become the real leader of this offense this year. And obviously Joe Flacco is going to have his role there. Um, But if those two can play off each other with Joe being the calm, cool and collected veteran where, and Phil being the kind of heartbeat, the pulse of the offense, I think that can be, that can be really special. So again, just hearing just like, what did he, what was his first words? Oh my God. I love Philip Lindsay. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, put that on a shirt because uh, there's no one that disagrees with that. <laughs> uh, so, interesting stuff. I, I, I must admit, I'm highly concerned about his health or, I guess, his availability. I don't, I'm not concerned about his health. I'm concerned about his availability. Really quick, who, are the two, who should be the two offensive captains next year? This coming year? Mm-hmm. Joe Flacco and Phil Lindsay. Easy. Easy. Yeah. Don't mess around with it, Vic Fangio, or whoever counts the cards back there. <laughs> um, who? What, well, I guess what are the candidates? Emmanuel's probably a candidate. Emmanuel's a candidate. <laughs> Jeff Ironman? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
Garrett Bowles hasn't talked to the media yet, has he? Uh-uh. Jano? <laughs> Jano will be special teams captain. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ron Leary? I guess I mean, a Portland could be in the running, but he's not better than Phil. If you're, if you're going to put a second-year guy in, there's one and only. McGovern? You say Leary? it with such confidence. Leary? Yeah. 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 I mean, Garrett <laughs> right, Bowles loves him, so. It's Joe and Phil. Yeah. Easy. Easy. And there's nothing wrong with that. You got your quarterback, which you have to do, whoever it is. Mark Sanchez, Trevor Simeon, Case Keenum. He's got to be the quarterback. And then go with the guy the veterans love. I mean, also his teammates, the fans, and respect. Yep. Joe and Phil sounds like uh, <laughs> like an afternoon politics radio show. Should we turn that into this right now? Joe and Phil in the afternoon. We're talking Nike today. <laughs> uh, Probably not as much excitement and energy, though. Welcome yeah. back to Joe and Phil. We'll be talking about Nike's controversial decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just feel like like RK and Zach, that seems like it's sports. Mm, right. Right. Yep. <laughs> Joe and Phil. Yeah. That's That's like politics or maybe it's science yeah you don't want to be at that table come join us speaking of science we got pressed a little bit on our science and the Mm. questions today so why don't we take a break and when we come back on the other side we will get to those questions the colorado golf association is dedicated to preserving improving and serving the game of golf here in colorado and right now they're conducting their annual dream golf vacation raffle Ed May, executive director of the Colorado Golf Association, gave us some more info on what exactly you can win if you enter. We had six grand prizes this year and 40 plus other prizes. So the the big ticket items, so to speak, or the grand prizes are a trip to the BMW Championship, including VIP access, thanks to our partnership with BMW. Uh, We have trip to Streamsong, we have a trip to Bandon Dunes, we have a trip to Sand Valley. And then we have what I think might be the coolest, a chance to take an, uh, a 7 Series BMW down to Telluride to play in a CGA-only event. The raffle tickets will go on sale on our website, coloradagolf.org. Tickets are $40, and you know all the proceeds from the raffle are going to support youth development in the state of Colorado. So you're making a great donation to a great cause, but you're also having a chance to uh, really have a fantastic dream golf vacation. For a chance to win, be sure to go to coloradogolfassociation.org. I just realized that was all the first segment. (laughs) The longest first segment of all time. And with that, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Yeah, seriously, that was plenty. You guys got your bachelorette talk. You got a Case Keenum's wife story. You got Emmanuel Sanders' real football discussion. So what is that, two reality shows and a little Broncos? Honestly, if we had... If we didn't have the questions and we were just a regular podcast that didn't have an incredible community, uh, yep. we could have split up those things into a full show. Yep, that would have been it. <laughs> <laughs> Not even got to Broncos till third segment. Yeah, but, yeah, right. <laughs> segment one, Bachelorette. Segment two, the Case Keenum story. <laughs> segment three, Emmanuel Sanders. What you guys all came for. But that was all, all only segment one. And as you know, in segment two, we jump into the questions, so Zach, why don't you lead us off here? Hey, we have 16 days, Ryan, until football's back on the field. 15 until we talk to John Elway, Joe Ellis, and Vic Fangio. So we got 14 days to, to have some fun. And Brittany Bolin, 
she gonna oh, be there? Uh, Beth making an appearance too? Probably not. I don't. I don't know about that. All right. Um. So question time. Um. Okay. First one coming in from Blue Ragu. I think it was a buzzer beater from yesterday. It says, "Hey guys, haven't commented in a while. Here's an off-season question for the BSN family: Who is a good example of a Romo player?" My mind initially went to Tony, Tony Romo. Yeah. He's talking Romanowski. He go. I was thinking oh, a Romo player, some guy that's like dissecting the play before it happens as oh, a commentator. I was thinking like, yeah, he's kind of a herb. <laughs> um, he loves golf. Yeah. Uh, we talking you? Yeah, there we go. I, I'm not a herb. <laughs> okay, so we answered that one. But a Romanowski guy, he says, is a guy that you just hate on the other team, but you love on your team. You know, the Matt Barnes, Draymond Green, etc. Number 53 was a perfect example, although the original Bronco that fit that bill may have been Lyle Alzado. Don't know him? Look him up. Of course we know Lyle Alzado. Of course. Fierce competitor. Actually fought Muhammad Ali in an exhibition fight, but I digress. Keep up the great work, guys. Ryan, I have one that is pops into my head, and I can't think of anything else. Uh, one pl- a hated player, one guy. Who is it? Philip Rivers. Ooh, yeah. I mean, any good quarterback. <sighs> like Tom Brady. You hate him on the other team. You right, love him on your team. Right, Ben Roethlisberger. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. But I feel like Philip Rivers, more than just for being a good quarterback, for, you know, talking the crap he does oh i have a great one but he's not the it's not the crap talk where if he's on your team you love it because you you can buy into his character he's not a bad dude <laughs> he's not bashing people out there so he's a guy you hate him in the division what did you call that crap talk crap well, yeah well, I, I feel like that's the first 10 minutes of this podcast <laughs> crap talk <laughs> crap talk i guess well that's how we'll give the warning that, next that's time. a that's a mix of talking trash and and talk and talking crap i don't even know i'm trying to think of it now <laughs> <laughs> i guess you were just replacing that i was pulling a philip rivers ah okay, instead right, of right. you know the yeah you, yeah, you know yeah. i gotta keep this philip rivers the right ish, here talking ish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you, you love him because he's not actually a bad guy yeah that's true that's true um, I have the best one. It's the most obvious. It's even more than Romo. Akeem Tlaib. Oh. But he's not on the Broncos now. And Broncos got a lot. Fans still love him, right? Uh, But they don't have to play him. Right. Right. And they didn't have to play him last year. Right. Oh, mm. no. They, well, they were. They should have. Right. But he was in. Right. Right. Yeah. Akeem Tlaib's a good one. He's a t- Yeah. He's totally. Yeah. Um. There's a hilarious story about Lyle Alzado and Woody Page uh, back when the journalists used to be able to fly on the team plane. Apparently... uh, A little scuffle? No. Woody and Lyle got, like, hammered on the plane together. (laughs) And I'm telling this story because I'm pretty sure Woody's told it in multiple (laughs) public places. And Woody got so drunk that he yacked all over Lyle Alzado. But Lyle Alzado oh. was also so drunk that he was passed out oh. and didn't notice. So when he woke up, he just thought he did it himself. Oh, my gosh. If you were that person, would you ever want to know the truth? No. No. But now it's out there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Pretty crazy. There, are, I mean, 
And that's probably like the least crazy Lyle Alzado story. Right. He he was a a wild child. He was. He was. Could probably do a whole podcast with like Mace or Sacco Mm. or someone and just tell crazy Lyle Alzado stories. (laughs) Yes. Next one here is from Greatest Show on Dirt. The obvious answer for... Oh, and he's talking about uh, ideas for what we can do uh, on the world tour to, to really like try and help the world. Um, he says the obvious answer for two great tap water aficionados can be to, uh, to help better the world through water quality improvements and water conservation. But seriously, very good of you guys to try and use a platform for a good cause. Yeah. I wonder what, uh, how we could do that with like our hands. Right. When, you know? when we have boots on the ground. Right. Exactly. Um, not cause it's not just going to be like a monetary thing. Right. We want it to be something that we can go actually do mm-hmm. with um, some of you guys. Yeah, I I have heard um, there's these contraptions that are can be installed at the bottom of trees that like collect rainwater hmm. that can then be used um, for that sort of stuff. So maybe we can like go do that. I don't know, but I like get, way to get the ball rolling. Yeah, just trying to. I mean, yeah. we're just brainstorming here. Yeah, trying to come up with ways that we can go and help people. While we go and, and meet Broncos fans and podcasts all over the world, which would be the coolest thing ever if we were ever able to actually get to the goal. But we want to do something bigger than that. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. That that Let's get the ball rolling on that. Ryan Dan Burke chimes in and says, welcome back. Oh, thanks. Next one's from Nihalo, who's on the same idea as Greatest Show on Dirt. Uh, he says, love... Um, Love your idea for the charity work on the world tour. How about BSN matches the fan donation, and in return, you make some video content of you both trying out the local cuisine and culture. He wants Henry there to film and edit. I think it would be Allie who would be there filming and editing. Uh, I'm thinking of you both having to go to like a dance venue and having to perform a culturally significant dance or something. That sounds hilarious. Subscribers can see the content, so that bump in subscribers will help get BSN some bang for their buck. Hey, if getting subscribers and going on this trip is just me dancing a little bit, eating something that's not moving, I'm I'm all for it. Zach's been known to dance on a BSN <laughs> trip. It's true. <laughs> Unique is how I'd describe your style. And not, not in a bad way, in a good way. Um, I'm sure we can get some sort of... Uh, some sort of kick in from the company if we get this thing rolling. <laughs> we got to get it rolling from the help of you guys. Yep. Next one's from Bronco Matt. He says, Welcome back, Ryan. Thank you. Although Henry is doing an excellent job, I'm going to throw a name, uh, throw a name out for a name change to Hadley. Okay. This is a little unrelated to the top 100 players, which is kind of a boring topic because it's poorly executed. The game has changed so much over the years. How does one compare someone from the 60s and 70s to modern-day superhuman athletes? Exactly what we were talking about right, yesterday. Right, exactly. Anyways, I was listening to Late Hits with Gil Brandt on Sirius XM, and I asked him what his thoughts were of the Broncos and Vic Fangio, emphasizing the fact that the national media gives the Broncos no love. He told me to expect the Broncos in the playoffs without hesitation. Stated that the NFL and AFC West are sleeping on the Broncos and that this team with Vic are going to be better than anyone gives them credit for. I find Gil Brandt to be a credible national media source of information and a great guy as well. What are your thoughts on Gil's assessment of the Broncos? Keep up the amazing work, Ryan, Zach, and Hadley. <laughs> From Matt in the South, or Matt South. Could be in the I South. I imagine it was Matt in the South. Well, thanks, Matt, for chiming in. Um, yeah, I mean... We have the we have the range of two and fourteen to easily in the playoffs now from the national media. 
I think we're closer to easily in the playoffs, but yeah. still not there. Yeah, I wouldn't put my money on it, but I'm certainly putting my money closer to that than 2-14. and 14. There's absolutely a chance the Broncos can be in the playoffs. Would I be shocked if they go 11-5? and five? I'd be pretty surprised. Shocked at ten and six? Not really. Nine and seven? No. I that, I think that's very realistic for this year, as as well as eight and eight is. The thing about eleven and five, and I and I don't want to set that as a as an expectation. Once a team gets rolling, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like they could win three games in a row that we weren't expecting them to win, and then all of a sudden you were thinking eight and eight, and right. now they're at eleven. You know, right. Right. Um, so. Well, I I would be surprised, uh, and it would and it would take a lot. It's not one of those things where I'm like, oh, that just can't happen. They're just not good enough. Like they they have the talent to be able to do that, as long as some things go in their way, and that includes Emmanuel Sanders being healthy, Joe Flacco, you know, playing like he did in 2014, those receivers taking steps forward. It requires a lot to go their way, but you know, I watched CU win the Pac-12 South out of nowhere, like things like that happen. Right. Right, exactly, exactly. The next one coming in from Down the Gooch. He says, hello again. I didn't get to chime in on last week's pods, but I wanted to let you know how hyped I was to hear my talking point about Lindsay, about Lindsay's ranked featured on the pod. Yes, that was a, it was a great suggestion. That was an awesome breakdown. I just want to add that Lindsay doesn't play on an island. As a team sport, he can only be as productive as the scheme and offensive line allow him to be. If the offensive line can improve its play from last season under the new coaching staff, Lindsay should look even better this season than he did in 2018. Touch wood. Really quick on that. He had the most yards before contact of any running back in the league. Huge credit to Phillip. You also got to give credit to the offensive line. Yeah, I you mean, know, you if, can't make people miss in the backfield on every play. Right. <laughs> exactly. If if it was the opposite and it was the worst, we'd be destroying the offensive line. So we do have to give some credit there. Um, they've never been bad run blockers. Right. It's the tackles letting people blow by them on the outsides yep. all the time. Yep. He says, now onto the really important stuff. Speaking of Colorado food, I would be quite remiss not to mention Colorado pork green chili. As a Colorado native that travels frequently, I have found that green chili, the Colorado variety, is almost impossible to find anywhere else. There's one restaurant in Sandy, Utah that I know of outside of Colorado that serves proper green chili. Anywhere else I've seen green chili on a menu, it has always been this nastier, bitter tomatillo sauce that is far from the amazing, delicious Colorado green chili that I grew up on. It's almost criminal that even they call that stuff green chili. If I could only eat one thing for the rest of my life, it would be a Colorado green chili smothered burrito. I could die fat and happy on that diet. When Ryan reps Blake Street Tavern, he mentions the green chili fries. Admittedly, I haven't been there yet, but if those fries have brought proper green chili on them, you have not and you have not tried green chili yourself, I highly recommend to make that happen. I will leave you on this note. Your next guest appearance on the pod should be Matt McChesney. That would be a fun one. We'd have to have a, <laughs> a warning at the beginning of it, but it would still be a fun one. Um, the green chili at Blake Street Tavern is really good. Mm. Really good. I mean, you would never expect that from a sports bar. Like, you can't go to a sports bar and order green chili and be upset if it's not good. Right. That's on you. Right. Like but, special good. Right. But the green chili at Blake Street is off the chain. And the green chili fries, I'm hungry now. 
I was going to say I'm a little disappointed that I didn't know this about their green chili. Oh, really? Because now this is all I want. Oh, my God. You should go today <laughs> and get the green chili fries. If I could eat them, I would. They mm. are out of this world good. Mm. Um, I'm sure there's someone that listens to this podcast from New Mexico who's like banging their head on the table right now. Because you definitely can get good green chili outside of Colorado. It's in New Mexico. <laughs> right. Um, I'm sure there's a couple other places, but New Mexico claims to have the best. I think my palate is just kind of more catered towards the Colorado green chilies. Mm. Um, but where, regardless, both are fantastic. But it's got to be in one of those two places. You know what? This isn't a knock on New Mexico. It's a knock on just the specific restaurant in Mexico. But I got... When I was there, I went there for a weekend a few months ago and got some breakfast dish and got some green chili on the side. It comes out in this tiny, tiny salsa container. Oh, give and me a it break. was it wasn't even like dices of green chili because it was advertised as like, you know, a, a cup of green chili. It was exactly what down the Gooch is talking about, like the tomatillo mm, kind of like stuff. It's like a green salsa. Oh, I was so disappointed. That I was is so brutal. disappointed. I know. I had the opposite of experience when I was there. Which makes sense. I went to this place. I don't even remember what it was called or anything, but it had like a fountain in the middle of it. (laughs) And it was all like New Mexico style looking architecture. And I actually like it Christmas style, which is half red green chili, half half red chili, half green chili. And I had the best dish with Christmas style that I've ever had. Christmas style. Very festive. Yep. It's... It's good stuff. Uh, in Boulder, there's a place called Efren's that has insanely hot green chili. Mm. Like green chili that will... That will make my girlfriend laugh at me. <laughs> that will sideline you maybe <laughs> for, a, for an evening. If it's sidelining you, it may be sending me to the hospital. It's so good though. And they, uh, my favorite dish there is the costillas, which is Mexican ribs. Mm. with the green chili on them on top is that the sauce yep Ooh. and they give you little tortillas on the side Ooh. it's a game changer Ooh, we gotta talk we gotta stop talking about food it's <laughs> afternoon now it I'm is dying here next one coming in from mr freeze and this one's awesome he says well okay this first part's pretty funny he says i just want you guys to know you're usually in the shower with me <laughs> okay well oh, mr freeze hopefully we made you dance a little bit sing a little bit in there also, on Friday, my fiancé and I welcomed the newest member of the BSN family. Yeah. Baby Freeze came in at a healthy 8 pounds, 3 ounces, 19 and a half inches long. Any baby gear coming to the BSN locker in the future? Well, first off, congratulations. Yes, that is awesome. That is so awesome. And it would be cool one day to have uh, like baby gear and tall sizes and all that stuff. It's just it's a progression. It's a progression. Exactly. Like when you start, you have to just stick with, you know, the most popular items. I'm not going to lie. I thought about the golf polo yesterday. We're getting those. I've yes. been pressing hard. <laughs> yes. We need them. Uh, we need the golf polos for training camp. Oh, ooh. All right. We're we're at 16-day countdown. Let's go, baby. Yeah, I've been pressing. I'm a, I'll, I'll send another note to the uh, powers that oh, be today. Oh, yes. All right, well, we've got plenty more questions. But first, are you thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, zero upfront costs from you. 
That's right. You won't pay for any of the upfront costs of the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design, all while managing the costs. Here's all you need to do. Head to their website or their Facebook page, houseliftcolorado.com or just houseliftcolorado on Facebook and check out the amazing remodels they've done for homeowners in the metro area. In past jobs, they've put anywhere from fifteen to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today to find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh, and if you hire one of their preferred realtors, they'll sell your house without even charging a listing commission. Pretty cool stuff. The next one here comes in from Dan Burke, and he says, just spitballing here. Say the Cowboys don't retain Amari Cooper and he's a free agent in 2020. I should probably just stop you there because with all they gave up for him, there's no chance they're letting him walk. To get a year and a half out of him? Yep. And he says, would you consider him as a realistic option for the Broncos? Of course. He's a really good receiver. <laughs> and Emmanuel Sanders is coming off the books. Right. So you're going to have room to spend on receiver. Right. He says it'll probably cost around $15 million per year on average at least, but we'll have the cap space, especially if Locke can develop, not to mention our other three receivers are dirt cheap in comparison to most teams. I'm a big believer in Sutton. I'll happily eat crow if I'm wrong, but to me he profiles as more of a very good wide receiver two than a one. I mean, if he reaches his potential, he's a one. Right. We'll find out this year. Yeah, we really it's will. A, it's a huge year. We're going to know exactly about this receiving core after this year, whether it's uh, you feel so comfortable in these two guys developing that now you can draft more guys, or whether it's panic time and you have to go sign free agents like crazy. Mm-hmm. He goes on and says Amari Cooper is one of the best route runners in the league, and I think he can provide that speed element that the team will be lacking if slash when Sanders leaves. The questions people had in Oakland about his work ethic and poor hands seem to be answered in Dallas, so I'm not worried about that. I'm all for drafting a wide receiver one in the first round next year, LaVisca Chenault. <laughs> but more often than not, wide receivers take a pretty long time before they develop, and the likelihood of getting a true wide receiver one in the draft is pretty slim. So would you break the bank on Cooper next year? I, I was okay with it until I remembered the draft class next year, a wide receiver. Mm. It's probably the best. It could be the best wide receiver draft class ever. But, okay, well, I'd, if it's that deep. It's extremely deep, and mm. we're talking, you know, three four five guys with first round grades let's say you're at 15 that's broncos being eight and eight ish mm-hmm. you're drafting at 17 maybe are you gonna take the third or fourth receiver in the first round because Lavisca's not gonna be there jerry judy's not gonna be there so maybe it's a third guy maybe another guy goes at 12 yeah and you can't draft judy because his name is weird <laughs> can't like imagine drafting jerry judy over lavisca chenault you cannot just do that in good faith it'll happen well it will but it would be stupid you just you have to think of the name here what number does judy wear um oh what is it it's uh oh bad fan what what is chenault two he wears two, he's got dreads, he wears a visor, and his name is LaVisca Chenault. You can't miss. He's a can't-miss prospect. But he's got to change. Right, he would have to change. I mean, in the league, I see him wearing... Yeah, four. Yeah, that's a good number. It is a good number. Um, I think Visca stays in, in the double-digit range. I think Winfrey, Winfrey took 15. That'd be a good number for him. Mm, but come on. Top 10 pick, he's... He's he's, he'll take, take 10. He's taking it. He'll take 10 when Emmanuel leaves. Oh, wow. Just like uh, just like our guy out there is wearing an 88. Not anymore. 
Oh, Bug, Bug Howard. Yeah, he's wearing eighty five. Oh now. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the Visca and ten would look great. Oof. Wait, I think. Oh no, he wore eight his rookie his freshman year. Anyways, I I wouldn't break the bank on Cooper. First of all, it's not gonna be possible. But I wouldn't break the bank on Cooper knowing, um, knowing that 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 class is just waiting there. You're just for not you. gonna get one of those dudes. Well, you or if you are, are you drafting one of those guys in the top ten. If you're top ten again. Yes. Oy. All right. Dallas. No, not Dallas. Detroit, Detroit Lions. Lions uh, the Oakland Raiders. I mean, speaking of oh, Amari Cooper, that's exactly it. This is different. This is a different class. <laughs> and also, you probably could get like T. Higgins at 15, who's really dope. Here's what I say. No. It's a, it's a good idea, but no, because... If you're going to get him around $15 million, then that means the Cowboys didn't want him. Because if he goes out and has another great season, which his stats are actually pretty incredible, 3,000-yard seasons in his first four seasons. If he goes out and has another good season, he's getting paid top wide receiver money, $20 million a year. That's the starting point of where he'll be. So if the Cowboys let him go and you're paying him $15 million, well, he's probably a $10 million player. So I just don't expect him to be available in any situation that makes sense. They're signing him up. All right, next one's from Sonny Rain. He says, Ryan, I know that for many younger people, the 60s and 70s seem like an old-timey era complete with grainy footage of football players with leather helmets and coaches puffing stogies on the sidelines, but it's really not so long ago. We're talking about the era of football that made the NFL as the king of American sports. As for player uh, comparisons, I wouldn't assume that someone like Emmanuel Sanders would rule the NFL. In fact, in his case, he might get killed playing a game with rules from the 60s and 70s. Maybe that's how you have to sum the debate up. Each era's players would have a hard time playing in the other era's rules and styles of game. I don't think Sanders would want any part of someone like Night Train Lane or Jack Tatum. Better run Julio Jones out there instead. What do you think? I completely disagree. (laughs) I completely disagree. Like, uh, remember when Adam Ottavino said that he would strike out Babe Ruth on three pitches or whatever. (laughs) He'd strike him out every time. I was 100% on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because what was Babe seeing? Straight fastballs. What what was he (laughs) seeing back in the day in in terms of speed, too? Just in terms of everything. I don't I don't know off the top of my head, so I'm not gonna pretend like I, I yeah. would. But I tell you I'll tell you what, I guarantee you he did not see a slider like Adam Adovino can throw. He, no. He would think there was an alien on the mound. <laughs> Tim Tebow was doing some divine intervention to the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Tebow would be a major a full on major league baseball player back then. And a major league football player. Major League Football. <laughs> exactly. <The old> MLF. <laughs> Um, yeah, sorry. I mean, maybe that's, maybe I'm, I'm perpetuating the stereotype of millennials, but Emmanuel Sanders would dominate the sixties. These guys are so much faster and stronger now. Now maybe it's, maybe there's going to be more grabbing and, and hitting out there. There's going to be way more big hits, Yeah, but it's not because these guys aren't capable of that. It's because the rules have changed. Now, do, do I agree with you that it would take some time maybe to adjust to that and you might get your clock cleaned? Yeah, you'd probably get hit a lot harder, but you know what? You'd probably get hit less frequently because you'd just be so much faster than these guys. And it's just a proven thing in every single sport that these guys, these athletes nowadays, are freaks compared to what they were, what, 20 years ago? 
and then you add on another 10 years for 30 years and then and then you go back four or five decades yeah and then you think about how much lighter he'd be because he only has to wear a leather helmet (laughs) (laughs) things can be even faster (laughs) all right he goes on uh as for lionel taylor he was here's this from google Taylor was the first professional football receiver to ever make 100 catches in a single season, accomplishing the feat in only 14 games. He had four seasons with over 1,000 yards receiving and averaged 84.7 catches per year from 1960 to 1965, then had the highest six-year total in professional football history. As of 2017, his 102.9 yards per game in 1960 remains a Broncos franchise record. Broncos team MVP in 63, 64, 65, and AFL All-Star in 61, 62, and 65. Broncos third all-time in receptions and yards. Sonny Rain, I love you. But you talk about, you know, how you grew up around the game, watched the game, and then you throw me to Google for for this info? Well, I mean, maybe Sonny Rain is just a historian. Maybe he's 25 and he's just an NFL historian. Mm. Then he had to go to Google. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's impressive. Like, like I said, yeah. I think we said a couple of times. Like, I'm sure Mace and Sacco have a good defense for all of these players. Absolutely. But I bet you, if Manuel Sanders was on that team, he would have been the number one receiver. <laughs> Prob- probably. Mitch, someone's not a Sanders guy. No, I think he's just trying to keep us in check. Mm. All right. If you compare the stats, Sanders will come out ahead once his career is over. But I'm not sure it actually means he's the better player. Thanks, guys. I'm surprised no one... I'm surprised everyone's taking the route of... Or not everyone, but people are taking the route of going after Sanders on this list and not Derek Wolf. How, I think it's just because we brought up the Sanders would be a, a beast. Okay. I mean, think about Derek Wolf in the 60s. <sighs> they didn't have six foot five, 300-pound guys that could move around like that. Yeah. Yeah. Derek Wolf did a standing backflip yesterday. <laughs> Saw it on Instagram. That's true. I don't know if he would have land. I don't know if he would have landed that on solid ground, because he got he had the lip of the pool. Right. But right. still, I, I can't do that. So. No, I can't. I can't do that either. I can't even fathom the movement. Like, I, could you ever do flips on a trampoline? No, no, me either. Never tried. I did try once, and I almost broke my neck. So scary. Yes. I saw a guy do like... I mean, I'm not kidding you. I was in pain for three weeks. I don't... Yeah. That's why doctors... Every time I went to my doctor, I don't know if they still do this, but like in the office, it's just like no trampoline signs everywhere. Really? Yeah. Next to all the bird signs and stuff. And Wow. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was intimidating. Um, did... Uh, how, many, how many of these top 100 guys should have a Pro Bowl uh, uh, and all pro? You just just some recognition. What do you mean? Should all one hundred of these guys on this list? Oh yes, Derek Wolf doesn't. That is very true. Well, I guess the longevity thing. Yeah. Good for long. Like, it's the opposite of Cookie Gilchrist. <laughs> good for right? long rather than great for short. It's the TD Hall of Fame debate, which was all so stupid. Though. And speaking of Cookie Gilchrist, <laughs> he says real quick on Cookie Gilchrist. This is Sunny Rain still. By today's standards, he was just a dude, but Cookie was the very first AFL 1,000-yard rusher in 1962. Problem, he was a Buffalo Bill when he did that. His real claim to fame was the fact that he was 6'3", 250 as a running back in the 60s. Hello, Derrick Henry. Wow. I just said that they didn't have uh, 6'5", 300 guys that moved <laughs> like that, but apparently they had 6'3". Running backs. And here's what Mace said, uh, because Texas Bronco, Zane, reached out to Mace and said, I need to hear your defense. Yeah. And as I said, Mace had a defense. 
Gilchrist tied for the AFL lead in rushing TDs in 1965. He was an AFL All-Star that year. He's the only Broncos running back in the AFL years to get 900 yards or 1,000 yards from scrimmage in a single season. Floyd Little didn't even get that until 1970, the first year in the NFL. So he had a defense. The longevity thing is still kind of eating at me. But Have you seen a defense to Tim Tebow? Like why he by isn't him. on? Yeah. yeah, by Mace. I know he put it out there. I don't remember what he said. I, I didn't see it. I think he just essentially said, like, Tebow wasn't good. He wasn't a good football player, which yeah. is fair. Which is fair. Uh, not, not, a, not a good football player. Not a good quarterback. Mm. I think he said something along the lines of, if you only have one season – yeah, this is what he said. If you only had one season, it had to be spectacular, and 47% completion percentage doesn't do it for me. It was spectacular. It was spectacular, <laughs> but you, you, there's no stats to back it up. Uh, dubs. Eight. No. Uh, Winning record. Yeah. <laughs> Playoff win. <laughs> I think like what he's saying is like if Peyton Manning played the 2013 and that was the only season, like he would be on there. Right. But there's the, the Tebow like. <laughs> it's it's fair. It's fair. I, I totally get why you wouldn't. All right. Next one coming in from True Champ Fan 24 He says, my guys, it's been a minute for me. I'm still catching up on all of last week's pods. As for the Hank and Henry debate, what does Henry want? For about a year, my company had my name listed on all my emails, business cards, and things of that nature as Steve. Do we know what True Champ Fan's name is? He says it right in the next paragraph. Oh, I, I was trying to see. <laughs> he says the top 100 list. No, oh, no, you no. Skipped okay, the that's paragraph. that's that's why it's because I had it highlighted. He says I cannot tell you how much that bothered me. My name is Steven, not Steve. Just because, and also spelled. He spells his name with a PH. They were spelling it with a V. Just because one person thinks it sounds more professional. Well, you can't spell it. You can't spell it. Steve. S E T P. S T E P H. Some lunatic would do that. <laughs> Coming from a, a V myself. Just, just because one person thinks it sounds more professional does not mean you can just change my name. Needless to say, all is fixed and right in my world. LOL. Henry wanted Henry. He did think so yeah because i could i wasn't here so i didn't know what henry wanted uh i but that was the number one thing i said was Uh, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks just whatever (laughs) henry wants Uh, but if you want my opinion Mm. i like henry that's that was essentially the the path i went down surprised it was so close because i feel like everyone we've heard from says henry i can't believe your company just did that without asking (laughs) also why would anyone think steve sounds more professional than steven no wouldn't it sound le- slightly less perfect? It's like a little more. Right. It's like slang. It's a nickname. Like slang for Steve. Yeah, yeah. Just you had an opportunity there, Steve, to go Steve Stevens Stevens. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> that's not his last name. <laughs> Only you can do that. <laughs> Only you. Uh, and uh, if I have any plans of future kids with my girlfriend now, that will not be happening. Come on. <laughs> you know what would make it just an extra little touch? What? If the Steven... Middle name was with a PH. That would be messed up. That would be messed up. Uh, is there any way, other way to spell Steve? Like, is there any other tricks you could throw in? You could do like S T I E V. S T I. Wow. <laughs> Steve. Oh, I'd be like, yeah, that name would be pronounced wrong all the time. Yeah. Steve. <laughs> he goes on and says, my top 100 list. If Cookie Monster 
Or I don't know what I'm. I don't know what I'm. Reading. You just added monster. <laughs> I really hope that was his nickname. <laughs> it had to have been. He says, if Cookie made it with those stats, why leave off Willis McGahee or even No Sean Moreno, who both beat out those numbers? Not trying to make an argument for either to legitimately be on that list. Also, I really only care about one player making the list. You take your guess. I'd like to think you see this list broken down into actual rankings. Y'all think Champ makes the top five. I remember NFL Films did a top 10 series for years that had him as a fifth all-time Bronco. This was even before he retired. Mm, The thing that really boosts his case here, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. John Elway and Champ Bailey? Yep. I don't know. Not Terrell Davis, not Shannon Sharp. Um, not, I don't think Floyd, Floyd Little, Little was. So one of two, maybe mm. at best, uh, at best one of four, right? If the other two in the hall of fame were first ballots. Right. So who is it? Who, who would be better? John Elway's better. Is Terrell Davis better? Yes. I, I think he is. Yeah. And I also think. Shannon Sharp is better. And if you're looking at Hall of Famers, I mean, you probably put him in there. Yeah. Initially, though, it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't it feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. But, I mean, like I said, I, mean, I, I, I hate giving so much credit to the Hall of Fame because everyone knows my feelings about them. But – there is something to be said for being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Especially with Maybe the, Shannon Sharp was. Especially with the Broncos. I don't think he was. That's ridiculous. I hate the Hall of Fame. I think I don't think he was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's an interesting question. He says Portis had two amazing seasons, and that just goes to show you how much Denver thought Champ was worth it when they traded Portis and a pick for him. Who would have thought Champ talk from me? Keep up the good work. Please, RK, never leave. I've tried to leave, listen to a couple different podcasts, sports and non-sports, and none of them hold up to the candle to how you guys do. I can't listen for more than 10 minutes before I shut them off because of the sound quality or the way the hosts just try and fly through the show like it's a hassle to even do. That's our secret sauce, is we have fun with this. Right, exactly. So it never gets old. Exactly. Um, next one here is from, and by the way, thank you, true champ fan. Next one here is from Brent G 17. He says, guys, <laughs> octopi <laughs> between this and you guys thinking human skulls are dated like trees with rings. <laughs> LOL. I assume you guys didn't ace your science classes. JK, JK. That's okay. You're all star reporters regardless. Cracking me up. <laughs> you know what? Brent G 17. I might not be, um, a scientist a doctor but i do have google (laughs) and i googled it and according to google the common uh plural of octopus in english is octopuses oh so so i was still wrong but so so are you mr science coming in here and not correct uh it said octopi like accidentally at one point became an accepted use Wow. Um, because someone somewhere thought it was a uh, Latin term, but it's actually a Greek term. And so they say you'll never see like a, a published work 
with octopi in it. How about this definition of octopus? Just how crazy does this creature sound? A mollusk with eight sucker-bearing arms, a soft sack-like body, strong beak-like jaws, and no internal shell. So weird. Did you know they had a strong jaw? I didn't. I didn't know they had a jaw. How do they have jaws with no... <laughs> Without a bone. That's Octopuses weird. Octopuses are so cool. <laughs> like... Yeah, I don't know how like I don't know how often you watch like Planet Earth, Blue Planet, mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. Usually, some of my favorite scenes are the octopus ones. Have you seen the like? They can like run, real on the ground. There's some that can like run. Is that faster than swimming? I don't know. Wow, wow. They are truly a marvel. They're very. That would be one of the worst ways to die. Being attacked by an <laughs> octopus. Yes killer oh my god there's suckers just sucking you to death as they shove you in their mouth is that do you think they their jaw? eat people <laughs> i think so <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> that would that does sound i mean i think they could probably like what if they just wrapped themselves around your head and just suffocated you yeah as they're eating your head off too with their jaw with their strong jaw that when you're in their sack your head is in their sack <laughs> just being squeezed to death i don't think that's how it works <laughs> We got worse on science here somehow. <laughs> Chip Jones 38 chimes in and says, when can I expect a Cookie Gilchrist t-shirt? I think it's Cookie Monster's body with um, a Broncos helmet okay, holding a ball running. Mm. And it just says Cookie Monster. Yeah, I like it. He's, mm. wearing, he's wearing like a Broncos jersey. How many people will get it? No one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that is the case against Cookie Gilchrist. <laughs> Final one here? Yep. Coming in from E. Rose says, Dr. E. Rose. Whoa, doctor. After a scientist, we're going to do a doctor. Jeez. We need to step our game up. Wow. It says, Billy Van Heusen was quite the player. He wore number 42. Great punter and receiver. The name may be familiar. See Van Heusen clothing. Man, you you dudes are young. Wait, did Billy Van Heusen start (laughs) the Van Heusen line? Wow. Yeah, you got to let us know about that. He says, Zach, your diet may not work if you are dreaming about foods you can't have. I know you like beer. Think lifestyle change and portion size. Was that me? Maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I think I've been... I said something about dreaming about food recently. Well, you, I don't think you're on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're healthier than you need to be. That's your diet. <laughs> I, I mean... I've been cruising on keto, so it's, uh, it's definitely working for me. You actually look so thin. And because I'm with you. Thanks, bro. Because I'm with you. I noticed it in the Insta- the IG you posted last week It because I'm with you every day. So it's, yeah. hard, it's hard for me to see like the drastic change. <laughs> and then you leave me for, what, five days before you post that IG? I'm like, whoa, who's this skinny guy wa- walking under this like awesome that was, thing at a spaceship almost? That was like the coolest place. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I, I went to this hotel. I'm pretty sure they designed the entire hotel with Instagram in mind. That is so smart. It was genius. And me and my girlfriend didn't have anything to do that night. We spent like three hours just walking around the premises, just taking cool pictures. <laughs> so you got, you got another IG coming? I have so many, but I was wearing that same shirt and I love it. It's my new favorite shirt. Mm. It's like a, it's like a Hawaiian shirt vibe. It's so comfortable, mm. but how many how many instas can you post in the same shirt maybe start a new instagram account just for this shirt oh yeah 
Yeah. Then you can post as many as you want. That's true. I yeah. mean, I could probably post. I have enough pictures from that night <laughs> to post a whole a whole grams worthy of content. But I should have brought like an outfit change or something. Mm, but you didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, I knew I could see the entrance. That's why I was drawn to it with the giant Star Wars arches. Yeah. But I, I didn't realize that the whole place was going to be like curated. You should have bought shirts from their hotel and worn them. I should have told them that I was an influencer. Mm, Had them give me the shirts there for free. There you go. There you, but but your, your social media account, actually, no. Yeah. You could for sure be an influencer with, with the Twitter. number of followers. I can yeah, use yeah. Twitter, yeah. You just pull my that inst- up? My Insta is kind of weak, but I, was... I can use Twitter. I could probably get pulled. Dang. Over. I got to get to 10 Gs, though. Like, 10 Gs, then you're an influencer. Isn't the goal before training camp? Got to get to 10 or was Gs. That, was that week one? What were you going for? Training camp. What are we at? We are at 9,342. All right. 650. Let's go. We need 650. Tell your friends. I know you guys are listening. RK10K. It's a campaign. <laughs> Has that been going? No, but uh, I launched RK2K oh. long ago. Uh, it was after UK2K. Do you oh, remember that? Yeah. When yeah. they got their 2000th basketball win. Yeah. And I was like, oh, RK2K. <laughs> But RK10K sounds even better. Yeah, it sounds baller. And when it was that? It sounds like something that you would participate in, the RK10K. <laughs> Tomorrow? Or th- Thursday? Yeah, there you go. You should go. You should go. Doing a, doing a 4th of July race. And Is it a 10K? No, thankfully. It's four mile. <laughs> four mile. But you should just oh, go. For the 4th. Exactly. When everyone crosses the finish line, just ask them to pull out their phones and have them follow you. Oh. Yeah. Or just hold a sign. Hold right. A sign. Right. Exactly. I'll offer like water <laughs> if they follow me. The free water that they're handing out. When I graduated college, on the back of my gown, I put follow at Ryan Koenigberg <laughs> in giant letters. Did it work? Yeah, I picked up, I mean, I picked up like 30 followers. Oh, I do in a heartbeat. Yeah, 30 followers That's is worth smart. it. That's smart. That is smart. Well, this podcast. Oh, wait, quick football question coming in. He says, my football questions are, are we there yet? When does training camp start, and can you name three of the ball boys? Bored to death. Peace out. Well, thanks for rolling with us, even when you're bored to death. Ball boys. Yeah, no ball boys. In fact, you're not supposed to call them that. Well, no, you're not supposed to call them water boys. Okay. Because those people are like medical. Like, they have medical degrees. They're doctors. (laughs) And uh, you wouldn't tell that by looking. You would think very cheap water boys right what you don't realize is they're just a part they're just lower levels on the training staff right right but yeah i got called out for that <laughs> firmly once so i learned the lesson the hard way for for all of you are there ball boys then i i assume there's someone on the sidelines who's in charge of making sure there's a ball ready will you try calling them ball boy on social media this year sure Okay, there we go. We'll no. find out quickly if they're actually ball boys. We're going to find out they have like, um, <laughs> they're like licensed chiropractors. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Training camp starts July 18th, Thursday, two weeks from the 4th of July, which is this Thursday. We talked to John Elway, Joe Ellis, and Vic Fangio the day before. That kind of kicks off the start of training camp. And typically, players report one to eight days before training camp starts. If they're rookies, they report earlier. But since the Broncos are already reporting early for the Hall of Fame game, 
everyone reports the 17th, so really nothing will happen until the 17th, and then it is, I mean, we're in, we're in the Mustang with the tires going 100 miles an hour, and then you let off, and then, and then you throw it and drive, and we're taking off. Oh, uh, right. Are, are the wheels spinning right now? Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, just getting faster. It is a whirlwind. Yeah. Once the 17th hits. Yep. My life changes dramatically. You say goodbye to your girlfriend? In my golf clubs. <laughs> I saddle up for the long season ahead. <laughs> uh, but we still have fun somehow. We do. We do. And we do it with you guys. And we do it the whole way. So we appreciate you guys for rolling along with us today and every day. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow, like always. See you then. It's getting me down. Waiting up for you. It's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order.